FM Breakfast Show with the Double L Team, Lyle and Lawson. Welcome everybody listening on 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network wherever you are. Positively different radio in the morning. You're with the Double L Team, Lyle and Lawson. Special welcome to those listening in Gregory, New South Wales on 88 this morning, listening in... Penshurst, Victoria, also on 88, and Deniliquin, New South Wales, also on 88. And FM special welcome to all our listeners from Germany. Yes. We hope they're listening. Absolutely. Enjoy Pray- practicing your English this morning. Yeah, praise God for them. I, I don't know any of them, but I, I just I just believe that there's people out there that have to be from Germany. We we get people listening to this station. We get people contacting us from all over the world that are That's listening right. to this station online. Uh-huh. So if you're not listening online, if you're listening on a radio signal, mm-hmm. then maybe you should get the app. You should. The app I- is awesome. The app is amazing. That's right. I definitely, I definitely like in this area here in Newcastle, I'd subscribe to using the app because we have very interesting topography that can make getting radio for anything difficult. So just get the app. Yes. Just get the app. Like you, d- you don't have to worry about flicking over stations, whatever it may be. Just and there's so many other things that you can do on the app to interact with Faith FM. You can mm. get in contact with us. You can uh, make contributions to the station. We all become my those. best friend. You can become Lawson's friend. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you want, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Lawson's only friend. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay, this again. Alrighty, alright. Uh, no, Lawson has lots of friends. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. It's The Breakfast Show, so let's have a question for our quiz. Which individual uh, did Paul and Barnabas dispute over? 0491-064-669 is the number to call or text if you know the answer to that one. If you do, you can go into the draw to win our prize for this week, week Exodus, Myth or history by David Roll. Just looking into, like, David Roll himself, he is an Egyptologist and a historian and a Bible believer and basically sets out to prove, okay, do we actually know whether the Exodus happened or not? And, you know, by looking at archaeology, by looking at, you know, different historical information that we have, coming to a conclusion, hey, do we know if this is true or not? That's what this book is all about, getting into that information. And again, that question was, if you want to win it, which uh, individual did Paul and Barnabas dispute over? If you know the answer to that one, 0491-064-669. Okay, give us a call if you know the answer. Lawson, let's have some positively different news. Positively different news. Oh, okay. Okay, this is a piece of positively different news, Lyle. Mm-hmm. So, there was a study that was conducted, mm-hmm. and it found mm-hmm. that people mm-hmm. who exercise are more healthy. No way. No, seriously, Lyle. No I, I couldn't way. believe it either. I couldn't believe it either, but it's true. Like You've people, got to be joking people me. People who exercise are less likely to likely to succumb to cardiovascular disease, cancer, diabetes, and other killer diseases. I just want to I just want to uh, thank the people that provided the funding for this study. Yeah, I mean the government must have forked out lots of money so that they could do this study to find out this. Yeah, just yeah. groundbreaking information, right? <laughs> but <laughs> maybe I should apply for funding to do a study on uh, whether ants exist. It- 
Well, that's actually that's actually good. I actually I saw it. I saw an Instagram reel lately where it was someone trying to prove that ants didn't exist. But I think I think they were joking. Uh, but the, actually, no. The point of this study was to see was to, was to was to the point of this study. Let me tell you what the point of this study was. The whole point of this study was to spend lots of money to state the obvious. Yeah, fleece the government. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's right. The point of this study Somebody. was that the. It was basically actually a study of death rates, okay. uh, mortality rates, and yes. specifically over uh, people, like they had a, a large control group of people, and what they had found, and how this relates to exercise, is that people who were like weekend warrior exercisers, so people who get out on the weekends, mm-hmm. have a lower death rate than people who exercise every single day. Really? Yeah. Really? And and so just we should be lazy during the week and go for a walk on go for a walk on Saturday. That's right. Well, I was thinking about it. I'm like, well, like if you increase the amount of exercise that you do, how is that bad for you? And I think that like ultimately, like as you increase the amount of exercise that you do, there's more kind of maintenance that you need to to do in terms of keeping your phys- like the reason why people would exercise every single day is because they're working on physique or whatever it may be. But from a general health perspective, the point that it's it's essentially trying to make is by being active on the weekend. Like if you work a five day week and you have a job and you're already like engaged in difficult and stressful work, it is good to have rest afterwards. But it's like it makes the point like if you don't exercise at all, that is a problem. But you are doing just as much good preventing death and not dying from diseases, exercising only on the weekend, as someone who would exercise every single day. Now, if you want to become a professional athlete, exercise every day. Yes. Not if you want to become a professional athlete, but if you want to do anything athletic, if you are super into, like, maintaining an extreme physique, all that kind of stuff. Like, yeah, no one is saying you can't exercise every single day. But what they are saying is you are, yeah, doing your body a service and a favor by exercising on the weekend, which is fantastic because, as you mentioned, going for a walk on Saturday, dude, every single week after church, provided it's not raining, we eat lunch, like we do church, we eat lunch, and we get out there for a walk. And, and you walk somewhere. We walk somewhere, and then on Sundays, like, you know, for me, I've... I've really gotten into basketball recently and like i there is a, a hoop down at my like near my place so i'll either go out and play basketball or i'll like go motorbike riding or you know just get out or or there are some times where i'm like a sunday catch potato i'm just like so fried because you know lots to do during the week but ultimately yeah we have the ability to to like during our free time when we can spend time exercising we should like that's the point yes. of making like we yes. can we can write off like oh I can't exercise during the week because I'm too busy. Oh, and I'm too tired on the weekends to do any exercise, so I'm just going to chill. But no, don't do that. Exercise, the weekend is time for exercise. That's right. You have free time. And a great way to do that is to do it exactly like Lawson does it. Go and spend some time with some people in community at church. Yeah. And once you've done that, have lunch with those people and then go for a walk. It actually enables with rest. With those people. Like yes. this is the thing, like yes. by exercising on the weekend, you actually enable yourself to rest by having a regular sleep pattern, by consuming lots of water as a result of exercising. See, the human body was designed to take a break on the weekend. Uh-huh. We were designed around a seven-day week. Yeah, with a day of rest 100%. and a day of doing something different 
that we don't normally do during the week on the weekend. Mm-hmm. That's how humans, that's biology. Yeah. So if you want to participate in biology. Yes. <laughs> get active Called on the, the weekend. circadian rhythm. That's awesome. Hey, Lyle, I, I read a story this morning that blew my mind. Cool technology, like just everything that I love to see. Cool technology, records broken, everything that I love to see, like a news story. Yes. Do you know how long the longest ever continuous flight is? Like uh, within our atmosphere. Like is in like in an aeroplane? Yeah. Theoretical or actual? Actual. No. So the record was just set by Airbus. They have this plane called the Zephyr, which is an it's an unmanned plane. It's like a drone. Uh, no, a, come on, that's lame. It's a drone. Uh, Get up there and fly the thing. It is covered in solar panels, and they just set the record of doing a twenty-six day continuous unmanned flight. Cool. Twenty-six. Where, where did they go? Days. Well, they actually. Kind of just stayed in one area. Just, they circled for 26 it's, days. It's circled, yeah. Because, because uh, they, they were like, didn't want to run into adverse weather conditions. Uh, like, yeah, I know okay, it would be cool. They, they, went to, we went to, they went to somewhere in the world where there is never any clouds and circled. Look, I know it would be cooler if they, you know, circled, circled the, world, the world. And like you could do that in 26 days. Oh, like a heap of times. Yeah. yeah. So that would be really, really cool. But they were like, we spent millions of dollars on this, and we just want to see how long it will fly for. But I guess that's probably the next step. Is they'll so it see- did eventually run out of fuel and come back down to earth? Is that the thing? Yeah, essentially. I, I believe the reason it ended up coming down is because of uh, they were starting to see in the data some, like, propeller, you know, propeller, like, What's the word? Maybe some, vibrations. Like vibration. And, Variations. That's right. They were, like in the data, they were saying, okay, maybe this thing is starting to fall apart after 26 days of continuous flight. Let, it's just nobody in it, so they just let it keep flying. Until it crashes. Yeah. <laughs> well, put somebody in it, just give them a parachute. Propeller <laughs> falls off, like, yeah, time to bail out. Well, like a one-of-a-kind prototype plane that can fly for 26 days straight is probably expensive. Just, just, just go hard or go home. <laughs> We want, the, we want a real record. We want a real record. That's how many, so funny. How many, how many hours? I've got to figure out how many hours that is because, you know, planes do require maintenance. 26 days. That'd be a little so. over 600 hours. Um, yeah. That's what I'm assuming anyway. It's so, gone six times past its... It's, it should have had six maintenance periods during that period. Uh-huh. Yeah. But it just it just kept going, just kept going. Now, like obviously, the step that needs to be taken is that they can do this with people inside the plane. Like that, that is ultimately what I would love to see: is that like someone can be in the air for an incredibly long time. But again, they would need to to develop a solar powered system that would be able to carry passengers. Because that's the thing: it's like the amount of energy that they extract from the sun to keep the plane going can keep this super ultra light plane up in the air because it's a drone, but can it keep people up in the air? Will they be able to extract enough energy? Were, were you looking at, like, numbers or something? Or yeah, yeah, you, I was just trying to figure out. How, how many, many hours? How many hours this thing's done? It's. I think it's a little... It's like 650. It would be something like that. I'm, I'm imagining. How many, how many days was it again? 26. 26 times 24. So, no, it's not 650. What, what, is, what is it? He's such a failure at What that. is it? 624. Oh, get lost. <laughs> get lost. You're listening to The Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. 
We're going to have another question for our quiz. Fill in the blank. But woe unto you that are blank, for ye have already received your consolation. Luke 624. 0481-064-669 is the number to call or text if you know the answer to that one. If you do, you can go into the draw to win Exodus, Myth or Fiction by David Roll. If you want to know if these these ancient books of the Bible, are they are they accurate with the archaeology that we have, with the information that we have from history? If you want to know that, 0491-064-669. But again, that question was, fill in the blank, but woe to you that are... Blank, for ye have already received your consolation. Luke 6.24. All I can say is I'm glad I'm not blank. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> All right, the uh, James Webb, Webb Space Telescope. Yes. How awesome is that? I, I know. I've I mean, talked about it all just, the time. It is just absolutely amazing. We've been looking at some of the pictures over the last few days that have been released from that. And, you know, it's interesting to see these pictures coming through from, you know, thousands and thousands of light years away. And so they are claiming that they are taking pictures, you know, and they're taking pictures of the sky that was just formerly empty. It was black. You know, the Hubble Space Telescope, of course, could not reach out that far. Mm. Um, much less terrestrial telescopes couldn't even get as close as, even remotely close as the Hubble t- Space Telescope. Mm. And now we're able to see, you know, galaxies that are 13.5 or 13.8 billion billion light years away. Mm. And so in essence, what they say mm-hmm. is that you are looking at events that happened 13.8 billion years ago. We're looking back into the past. Mm. So I've got a couple of questions in my mind. I'm going to be interesting to talk to some of our creation scientists about this when, mm-hmm. it, when it does come through, and that is, okay, if we're looking at stuff that's 13.8 billion uh, years in the past because that's you know when the light would have left that particular object and travelled to where the telescope can take a photo of it, isn't that when the Big Bang happened? Shouldn't we be able to see the Big Bang? And what happens when we make a telescope that can reach back a lot further than that? Yeah, that's right. And we, we just find more universe. If we can look further and further and further. We'll just be able to find the point where the universe is expanding. Well, we should find the point where there's no universe. Yeah. Where it just doesn't exist. Uh-huh. And yet every time they build a bigger telescope, every time they look at a part of the sky where they was just empty in the past, mm-hmm. they just find more galaxies. Mm. It's just stretching up. I mean, we're not talking about more stars. Mm. We're talking about galaxies with hundreds of Billions of stars in them. Mm. What have we got in our galaxy? Like two hundred billion stars. Mm. You know how many planets does that equate to? If every if every one of those stars has a whole bunch of you know a solar a solar system of planets rotating around. Oh it. man, this just makes me feel so small. It like does, it's just mind it blowing. It is absolutely mind blowing. It shows the you know an infinite universe that we are living in. Mm. Which makes sense because if you are God and you are created by nature, why would you live in nothing for eternity? Mm. You start to try and wrap your head around eternity as a human being. You're going to bend your brain trying to uh-huh. do that. Yeah. Okay, so this particular telescope, of course, it's worth uh, $14.7 billion. Mm. That's a fair chunk of money. I'm glad they spent it, though, because it's going to teach us more about the power of God than we have known before. Mm. And it's going to teach us a lot of humility because the one thing that we are going to learn and is going to be revealed by this telescope is how much less we knew than what we thought we knew. Yeah, that's right. Which is what they always discover when they build these uh, new telescopes. Okay, so let's uh, stay tuned on this one. They tell us we're going to be getting information from it over the next 20 years. So Mm -hmm. that's going to be pretty exciting.
Yeah, that was roughly the lifespan of the Hubble. Yeah, that's was right. Launched, launched in late 1990s. And, and then yeah. it runs out of fuel. Yeah. Man, like, Once it runs out of fuel, it's like, well, it's done. It's junk. <laughs> Just one last push out of the orbit, and then it can float around in space. Well, I imagine that they should be able to send something up there to refuel it, but I guess it'll be obsolete in 20 years' time. Yeah, that's right. Send up the new one. Yeah. You'll be able to see further back into the past. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, you know, I want to double mm-hmm. the power of this one. Mm-hmm. All right. If we head over to the Church of England, uh, it seems that the Anglican Church is no longer able to define what a woman is. Uh, yeah, this is... They used to be able to. This they is, can't anymore. This is, this is pretty much standard everywhere, isn't it? Yeah, days? and this is ongoing within the Anglican Church as well. Like, yes. this is, you know, the, the controversy that has been brewing there. Okay, so this is uh, from the, uh, the, the, the senior bishop, uh, right Reverend Robert Innes. Mm-hmm. He says, there is no official definition. Okay, okay, get lost. Okay, what did he say? He that, says there is no official definition. He was asked, uh, uh, this was in, in response Bible. to a question posed by a lay member, uh, Adam Kendry. During the General Synod, he asked, what is the Church of England's definition of a woman? And the reply was, there is no official definition. That is shocking. That is... <laughs> okay, so this was a great opportunity for him to actually say something in defense of the existence of women. Mm-hmm. And this To defend ho- women. Yeah, like to they're... defend women, to stand up for women. Uh-huh. You know, and this is a church that has kind of prided itself on being progressive and standing up for women's rights and having you know women in leadership positions, all of these kind of things, and now, well, we don't even know what they are. Yikes. Did someone ask a follow-up question like, oh, what's a man? And he said, I don't know. I, we don't know. Okay. Um, there is but no TV news personality Calvin Robinson um, argued that offering a definition should not be difficult. The definition of a woman is not a complex moral problem, he said. It's a scientific and a biblical truth. Yes. Okay, you can look at from two. If you are a church leader, you can you can answer this very very easily from two different perspectives. You can answer it from the perspective of science, uh-huh. because as Christians we believe in empirical science. Uh-huh. Okay, we stand by empirical science hundred percent. Historical science, not so much. Empirical science, all day long. Mm. There is nothing in empirical science that is going to threaten uh, people of faith in any way, shape, or yep, form. Agree. Uh, so we can answer it from a scientific perspective. That's easy. We can also answer it from a biblical perspective. Yeah. Also, very easy. You're a okay. So let's say that you're not a biologist. Mm-hmm. You're a pastor. Mm-hmm. This person is not a biologist. I suspect mm-hmm. he's a pastor. Mm-hmm. So, all right, I'm not qualified to answer that question because I'm not a biologist, even though my two year old can answer it. But I'm not a biologist, so um, I'm a pastor. Let me give you a biblical definition. Okay, okay, let me. Okay, biblical de- definition right now what a woman is. Here we go. In the beginning, God created Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve, okay. And, and they might say, like, oh, well, male and female. How do, we, how do we know which one had, you know, female genitalia and which one had male genitalia? By and the one that gave birth. That's right. That's bam, there you go. That like, <laughs> and Eve conceived. Which which one Adam knew his wife Eve. She conceived and gave birth, and they called the child's name Cain. Yep. <laughs> like uh, men can't conceive. Nope. Women can conceive. You know which one is which. Okay, wow. so I'm a, I'm not a biologist. I can answer it from the Bible because I'm a pastor. 
my 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 kids could also answer this when they were two years old and they weren't biologists. Uh-huh. I've only just learnt the answer recently. I'm like kind of catching up, but you know, like. <laughs> Okay, and this is and this is we're not trying to poke fun here in any way, shape, or form at people who are struggling with gender dysphoria, mm. and we want to make that very, very clear. What we are poking fun at is people who are not struggling with gender dysphoria and have become confused over this subject mm. because this is not a confusing subject, and it shouldn't be a confusing subject. And they make it worse for people who have gender dysphoria by making it a confusing subject. Mm. Because what happens is, is like, well, you don't have a, condi- a medical condition anymore. Uh, we just accept you for whatever you say rather than actually providing care and mm. treatment. And we should be providing care and treatment for people who have a gender dysphoria because it's a terrible, terrible thing to have. I can't even begin to imagine how awful it would be to have that particular you know, mental illness. Mm. Any kind of illness is terrible to have. Mm. Anyway, mm. it's a crazy world that we live in. All right. Uh, while we're in the UK, uh, the Society for the Pre- Protection of Unborn Children uh, has been labelled extreme for their pro-life uh, viewpoint. And they had a diagram uh, in educational material, uh, religious educational material covering the, covering the topic of, ca- of the Catholic, the Roman Catholic approach to life and death, including the doctrine surrounding abortion. Well, that's just been removed mm. by the government. Oh, wow. So I'm kind of like, okay... Why didn't the government remove if it's if it's about the Catholic approach to life and death? Then that's going to include heaven, hell, limbo, and purgatory, right? Mm. Why did the government not remove that? Why did they only remove? You know, are, are Christians no longer allowed to have any kind of thoughts on moral issues? You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Lawson, let's have another question for our quiz. Let's see if someone can get this one correct. All right, guys, this one's pretty easy. In what town did Jesus grow up? If you know the answer to that one, 0491 is the number to call or text. Give us a call or text at that number, and you'll go into the draw to win Exodus, Myth or History by David Roll. But again, that number is 491 and that question is... In which town did Jesus grow up? Okay, if you know the answer, then give us a call. Joining us on the phone right now is Jennifer Skews for our weekly update on emotional health. Jennifer, welcome to the show. Thank you. Good to be here. It is always good to have you on the show, Jennifer. What are we? Where are we picking up from this week? Well, we started talking about um, well real time floods and what was happening because we've had a lot of flooding in Sydney. But we're sort of looking at time orientation, um, which is very important because when you've had a crisis, you can really get stuck in what happened and we lose sight of the present. So I thought I might talk a little bit more about that time orientation um, because where where our brain is at, where we're thinking at any time is crucial to our emotional well-being. Absolutely. So, uh, so, so if I can just maybe, uh, just as a part of this, let's 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 toss out an example. I've been I was chatting yesterday with um, Lloyd Grolleman, the Aussie pastor, who's a part of Faith FM here, and he lost his entire studio, uh, every piece of equipment, 
plus his, his workshop, his shed, everything went in the floods and has been completely wiped out. So that's going to obviously have an emotional toll on him. So for somebody, somebody like, say, Lloyd Grolleman, Aussie pastor, um, you know, he's got so many memories in that studio, so much amazing material that was created in that studio. How does he, right. how does he, how does he deal with that? There's always an impact because it is traumatic and the body absorbs the trauma and the brain has to get its head around it. Um, And this is where the orientation spiritually is powerful in that healing process. Um, So for Lloyd, if he gets stuck in what happened and he's feeling sad and distressed and stressed about it, then he won't cope well at all. But if he looks to his relationship with God, which as a pastor I know he'll do, and where he's headed as far as his understanding and insight goes with prophecy and with the Bible, then he's more likely to get over it a lot quicker. If we can embrace God in the present and be prayerful, and that's what the mind's doing, um, it's very powerful in the healing process. But it's normal to feel the loss because he has lost. So he's going to have a lot of grief he's got to come to terms with. Um, and depending on, I believe, your spiritual health and your time orientation as to how well you recover from that. Um, okay, so one of the things that he's done is that he's organised a Faith FM rally at his church this weekend. I'll be down there to speak for it. Robbie Bergen will be there for speak for it. Is that too soon? No, I, I believe it's that principle. If you fall off the horse, you've got to get straight back on. Um, and... He's an active man. He's very passionate about what he does. So to get back on on track again and do something like that is very powerful because he will get more of that. What he lost were material possessions, and I know that's hard, because. um, but he will be able to regroup. He's got good support, and he will rebuild what is needed again. So um, I think doing something immediately like that is very powerful for him and his church. Okay, so this is, this, is, this is getting him to look into the future um, and mm-hmm. to look at the possibilities and to look at you know the opportunities like we're down but we're not out rather than just getting stuck in the fact. Yep. Yes, yeah, absolutely. So this is where your time orientation in the present is powerful. The sooner we can move on from the past, and one of the things I've talked about is trauma is actually logged onto the body. Every cell feels that trauma, and this is where your attitude and what you do physiologically, this is why I get people to breathe and correct the heart rate and release that build-up that they've had because there's been a lot of adrenaline cortisol. The body is a self-correcting mechanism. It's self-healing when we give it the right environment. And that means we have to have the right attitude. So um, I think getting back on track with things and doing things immediately like Boyd's organising will be powerful in him coming to terms with it and allowing his whole body, brain, spirit and emotions to catch up. Is there a danger? Is there? A, this is just a question. Is there a danger that in just immediately jumping back on the horse, roaring back into it, is there a danger that he could bury some of the uh, emotions and grief, ignore them, and would that be a problem? Or is the positive outlook of forging ahead going to counteract 
you know, any negativity that might come from that? Um, I think I believe that if you start to look away from the trauma and look at, I guess, solutions and how you're going to deal with it and what you're going to do, the support you've got is powerful in getting back on that horse, so to speak, and staying on there. But the it, grief comes in waves. So that can be a positive, but if he then starts to maybe clean up what the mess that's left, he's going to feel sad, he's going to miss things, there'll be certain things that will happen for him emotionally. But if he doesn't get stuck in that, that's a normal process when we look at the loss, but it's whether we get stuck in it or not. And that's why I think being productive and doing positive, constructive things to get beyond it is powerful. Um, I know up here, uh, particularly the village of Timbolgan, which is a small village, the day after the floods had receded, that the whole community got together and there's a few very good people who are positive and they supported each other. They all helped each other clean up. People came in from the community and that was very powerful in them um, starting that recovery process by being highly proactive immediately. Um, doesn't mean you won't feel it afterwards, but it's what you do then that is powerful in continuing that journey of recovery. So one of our largest cities in this uh, local region is Maitland, and one of the suburbs of Maitland, a place called Gilliston Heights, uh, for the second time in the last uh, seven years has become Mm -hmm. uh, Gilliston Island, and it remains remains that way, may be that way for up to a fortnight uh, because it's been yeah. entirely cut off. And one of the things I was noticing is that uh, once they were cut off on the first fine day that they had, within 24 hours they had arranged uh, what they've now called Gillanats, which is a, uh, a show-and-shine car show where everybody got together, bought their motorbikes, bought their cars, bought their vehicles, whatever they were passionate about, organised a barbecue uh, for the uh, people on the island. This seems like a very positive thing to do in a time of trauma like this. Oh, it is, because one of the things they found in research in recovery from trauma is having support, not feeling alone, having people who are compassionate and understand, or where there's that connection, whether it be family, friends, community, is a huge factor in recovery, because you don't feel alone. You know you're not alone, and I I know also, as a Christian, I know I'm never alone. God is always there, no matter how traumatic it is. And that's where Lloyd, that will be his best resource. Yes. So, yeah. And, and of course, with Lloyd, you know, the, the uh, I think the Giller Nats was just a fantastically positive thing for the community. But oh, the advantage that like Lloyd it. has is that you know his his focus is on sharing Jesus Christ, and that's mm-hmm. why he has you know gone down this path. It's like okay, I'm going to you know it's it's more than just a show and shine. It is oh. I'm going I'm to shine for Jesus. Yes, and that's so positive, and that's where the healing occurs because that connection to God through Christ is a very healing process, and that's where we can recover very quickly from things. Um, And this is where I find people who don't have any faith at all really struggle to recover from their losses and their traumas. Um, And this is well documented in research now. They find that um, our faith takes it. It really picks up the trauma we're going through. If we have faith and we have a God of love, then we recover a lot quicker and we don't get as depressed or stressed than if we don't have that focus. Um, if we're just sort of stuck in the world and it keeps happening because these floods have recurred a few times now, 
Um, so it can be very depressing and disheartening for people. Now, obviously, you deal with a lot of people that are struggling with these kinds of issues who are people who don't have faith. Yes, I do, and I find they often are very, very depressed. Um, One of the things I do is I always check out and see if people have faith, and if they do, I then encourage them and we talk about what that means to them, and that can be helpful. Um, But also I find if we do a solution focus instead of problems, because People like that often generate a lot of problems. And if they do that, this is going to happen. And uh, so when we go solution and spend the session doing, okay, well, what can you do about it um, and what support you have, you take that mental focus away from the trauma and look at the solution, it can really help them through it um, or help to kickstart them to start being proactive again. Do you find that there are people who come to you you know, suffering from this kind of trauma, who feel that they have received a, a a chronic disease that they'll carry with them for the rest of their life, and does it make a change when they realise that this is not something that they have to carry for the rest of their life? Oh, a huge change, because when people come to me, they can't see um, a light at the end of that tunnel, and when you don't have a light at the end of the tunnel that is just black, then that is the highest stress we can have. So part of what I do is help them to see there is a light, there is hope. Um, So when that happens, people start to pick up their energy again. There's a healing process. Um, When we're negative, the body, it's just the neurotransmitters, all the cells of the body start to decline in their functioning and their chemical balance. So when you've got hope or when you start looking Um, At the solution, again, the whole system starts to pick up. You get good hormones going. The brain can function a lot better. So it's it's really mental, emotional, physical and spiritual healing we need. Mm -hmm. Now, I would imagine that with – it it seems to me that, you know, when people come to you with these kinds of challenges in their life, that a person (laughs) of faith – would automatically have, at the very least, a glimmer of light at the end of the tunnel, even though they feel, might not feel that they're able to see that light in the presence, but that at yeah. least it is yeah. there and at least you've got something yeah. to start with. Whereas for yeah. someone of no faith, it could be very challenging to actually get that light burning again. Oh, yes, it is. People who have faith can be depressed or feel... Um, lonely, but they never know, they know they're never alone. That's where faith tells you, whether you feel it or not, that God is there for me and you start to see the answers or the solutions or God will provide. And that's been my personal experience. So I don't fear going through trauma because I know that, um, I, I always come out the other end. You know, mm. I've always got that light. Um, but I can still feel depressed and stressed, but I'm aware of it. It's being aware of it and doing something about it. Yes. Um, that's where the power of prayer, handing it over, praying, seeking help, is uh, the most powerful thing we can do. And I guess the, uh, the the light at the end of the tunnel seems to be a great analogy in this case because, you know, you've gone through mm. trauma, you're in a dark place, yes. but the um, – 
it, it, the light at the end of the tunnel gives you something to focus on so that, yes, you can be in the present, but you're looking forward to the positive at the end uh, or looking yes. forward to a positive outcome from, you know, yes. so if we, if we go back to Lloyd's situation, you know, he's in the yes. present, he's terribly discouraged, everything's yes. been destroyed, he's lost absolutely everything, everything. he's just got to, got to, got to rip the whole thing apart and take it to the tip. Uh, but at the same time, it's like okay, but we've got that. We've got a job to do. We've got Jesus to share with people. We keep pressing yes. on right here, and so he's in the yes. present and looking to the future, and he's looking to a bright future. Yes, he's got a positive outlook. And look, this is the difference between someone who gets through these things and someone who doesn't. And some people don't make it, and it's your perception and your attitude that is powerful. And I find people who like with the floods here that if people look to the fact oh i've been through two floods now there's going to be another one how will i ever cope and they look at that gloom and doom further down the track what's the point and then they can't sell because no one wants to buy where the floods are at the moment so if they keep that orientation they will go down that hill but those people who go, look at all the community that came in and helped us and uh, look at all the things that they've given me. I might have lost this, but, um, you know, people have provided a lot more. How caring, and this is one of the things in Australia, we're a very caring nation when it comes to crises. And you look at those positive, it gives you that hope. And even if it happens again, you know help is there. Mm. Jennifer, excuse me. It might never happen again. It might never happen again. You don't know. Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. Jennifer Skews, thank you so much for joining us here on Faith FM. We always appreciate so much what you have to say. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.